welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. As I said before, we've been studying the life of Moses and it's a story that's familiar for many of us. We've, we've read it before, but I think sometimes there are other things too that kind of colour our perception of those stories. Sometimes it's our own memories and what we remember. Uh, sometimes it's movie influences and things. So we've been reading the story and, and asking God to speak to us and show us things out of the story of, of the life of this man who's is one of my heroes, I guess. One of the, the stories that I've learned so much from and been inspired by and challenged by. And when we kind of we, we talked about the story of the last, I'll do a quick recap because it's been a little while and some of you might not have been here, but we sort of started with Moses thinking that he was the man. He was raised as, a, as royalty in Egypt, but he also had a sense of the calling of God on his life even back then. And so he tried to bring about the deliverance of Israel his own way in his own time and using his own strengths because he thought that he was the man. He thought that he had the skills, he thought he was somebody. And what did he discover? He discovered that it didn't work. It fell flat uh, and he ended up fleeing for his life. And he was absolutely broken. He was in the middle of the desert, he'd lost everything and he absolutely had no idea where to turn. But God was in the middle of that story. God hadn't finished with Moses yet and he was still restoring him and he ended up coming across a, a family, a, the family of a guy named Jethro, met a beautiful young lady and got married and had some kids and, uh, and has spent 40 years out in the desert of Midian being a nobody, being uh, exactly kind of where God wanted him to be but learning that his skill and his abilities and what he'd been brought up with and what he'd been taught was not enough to do what God had put on his heart to do. But it didn't change the person that he was. He was a nobody and he was content to be a nobody. He'd had 40 years to come to accept that he wasn't going to be the deliverer of his people. He'd had 40 years to come to terms with that, that goal, that dream, that vision that he'd had, he must have missed, mistook God somewhere or must have messed it up or must have misheard. How many of us have ever been in that position where we kind of, we think we've heard something from God and then everything goes absolutely pear-shaped and we think, I must have got it wrong. Anybody? Just me? Yeah, a few of you. Um, it, it's a weird sort of feeling, isn't it? It's frustrating and it's discouraging and you just want to give up and chuck it all in because you think, if I can't hear God and, and if I got that wrong, then I'm probably going to get the next thing wrong as well. But there's an incredible kind of turn that kind of comes in this story. This, this guy who thought he was somebody uh, and then realised that he was really a nobody and had kind of come to terms with that. But there's a, a, another twist in the tale of this story. Uh, he wasn't nobody who had learned to trust in God. And sometimes that makes a big difference, doesn't it? All the time that makes a big difference. Learning to trust in God, learning to rely on God and let God do what God wants to do makes all the difference in our lives, doesn't it? 
Now, in the middle of this story, we're going to read, if, you want, if you've got your Bibles this morning and you want to open them and, and read along in your Bible, you can do that. We're going to be reading from Exodus chapter 3, first half of the chapter there. But there's a lot of, uh, in the middle of this amazing, extraordinary, miracle-filled kind of story about this man called Moses, there's a lot of ordinary stuff. There's a, there's a lot of ordinary things. And I want to talk about some of the ordinary things this morning. And I want to talk about some extraordinary things. But there was some ordinary things. There was an ordinary man. Moses was an ordinary man. And that was kind of what he'd had to learn through this whole experience, wasn't it? He'd started out thinking that he was, he was something special. He was God's gift to the world. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if you've ever known someone who thought maybe a little along those lines. Uh, I've met one or two in my time. But he discovered that he was just an ordinary man. There was also some very ordinary sheep. There was some very ordinary days. And there was some very ordinary vegetation. A very normal kind of desert thorn bush that kind of forms part of this story. Now, Moses discovered that he was a normal human being flawed, weak, prone to make mistakes and and mess up despite all of his upbringing that might have told him otherwise, he discovered that he was a normal human being. How many of you have ever had a moment where you were very conscious of your own weaknesses, you were very conscious of your own shortcomings and in that moment you felt very, very ordinary? Any of you brave enough to admit that? I think probably most of us have had at least days in our life where we kind of felt ordinary. Now, you've probably heard sermons before and if you've ever read much of the Bible, you'll have probably seen stories where God uses ordinary people. But what I discover and what I find in my own brain and in my own heart is that it's one thing to go, oh yes, in the Bible there was this ordinary guy and God did something amazing in his life. It is something very different to go, because God did something amazing in that ordinary person's life, He could do something amazing in this ordinary person's life. The two don't necessarily always go together in our brains, do they? And you've probably heard sermons about how God loves to use ordinary people. And you've probably read stories about guys like Abraham and and Joseph and... Um, you know, even Peter, one of the disciples, and, and James and John and, and those kind of guys who were ordinary guys, doing ordinary things, and, and God did amazing stuff, and you go, oh yeah, but, you know, they're like the Bible characters, and they're in the Bible, and I'm just me, and, you know, and somehow, even though theoretically we kind of understand the concept, most of the time, I think for many of us, we still go, oh, but why would God want to use me? Why would God ever do something amazing in my life? Somehow, in our brains, it it, it still doesn't apply to me personally. Am I just preaching to myself this morning? You're listening? All right. But Moses is, is a regular guy. He's one of these characters that we look at and we talk about Moses and the first thing we think about Moses is amazing leader. 
you know, burning bush, miracles, plagues, you know, leading the people of Israel faithfully through the desert, meeting with God, Moses up on the mountaintop getting the Ten Commandments and those, you know, the fire bolts that chiseled things into the stone tablets and, you know, the, the guy who met with God face to face in the in the tent of meeting so much so that his face started to actually glow and radiate because he'd spent so much time in the very presence of God and he had to wear a, a mask over his face so it didn't freak everybody out. Is that is that kind of the things that you think about when you you think about the character of Moses? Yeah. But Moses was this ordinary guy. He he began life thinking he was amazing, but he came to terms with the fact that he, he was nobody, he was just a, a humble, simple shepherd, one among, you know, a whole nation and, you know, he was nobody special. But here's the thing, like, God really does delight in using ordinary people and if you're an ordinary person, God wants to do something amazing and in fact, if you're a Christian, God's already done something amazing in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. Whoever feels a little bit fragile, some of us have days when we feel a little bit fragile. We need a little bit of TLC sometimes, don't we? Sometimes we feel like we're um, prone to cracks and fractures and chips and dents. Sometimes we feel like we've got a few scars, a few war wounds, a few... Uh, uh, things from our past and our experiences that are marks that other people have left on our lives sometimes, don't we? But we have this, this great treasure inside this fragile jar. It says this makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. It is God in you and not necessarily sort of the, the outward package that... Is, that is our great strength, that is our power. Now, I don't know about your outward package, but that's probably a good thing for me. <laughs> some of us would be uh, make some changes to our outward package if we could, wouldn't we? But here's, here's Moses, and he's this regular guy. He's discovering that, um, he, you know, he's, he's no longer leading a nation. He's a guy who went from, from leading a nation to, to leading a bunch of sheep. Uh, he's, you know, he's got no more enemies to, to strategize or to plot against. His only battles now are against the occasional wild animal. Um, his only mission is to find water and grass and shelter out in the, the unforgiving desert. The only stirring speeches that he has to give now are not to armies, but the speeches that he probably gave occasionally to the sheep. Come over here, you unruly lot. What are you doing? The only delivering that he was doing was not nations, but the odd sheep that fell in the gully and got stuck and needed rescuing. So let's pick up, let's read in Exodus chapter 3. We've sort of painted a bit of picture. Now he's, he's no longer a prince, he's just a man with a big stick um, that he occasionally uses to whack a sheep with. <laughs> Exodus chapter 3. So we see, we pick up, we see one day when Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, it wasn't even his sheep, remember that? It was like they, they belonged to his, his uh, father-in-law. 
So he was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. That's probably a little bit of an understatement, isn't it? But he says, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, now you get the, the deep resonating voice, Moses! <laughs> so I'm doing voices today, apparently. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. Now, I want to encourage you this morning, if you are going through a time of difficulty, if you are going through uh, some, some suffering, some pain, something difficult, I want you to know that God sees what you're going through. God is not, uh, whether you recognize that, whether you understand that, whether you know that or whether you don't know that, God wants to remind you this morning that He is with you in that circumstance. That He sees the things that you're going through. He hears the cries of distress, the, the times that you have called out to Him in the night. He hears you and sees you he says the the land that my people are coming to is a land flowing with milk and honey the land where the canaanites hittites amorites perizzites hivites and jebusites now live all the ites look the cry of the people of israel has reached me and i've seen how harshly the egyptians abuse them now go for i'm sending you to pharaoh you must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. So Moses has this amazing encounter with God, but there's a couple of things that I just want to kind of look at. Remember we talked about some normal things. There are some normal things that we see in this story, isn't there? We see that this was started out as an ordinary day. There was no chorus of angels declaring hey Moses today is going to be the day when God comes and visits you there was just kind of a this this ordinary there was no you know writing in the clouds in the sky you know that's just kind of like warning Moses that this was going to be a special day and he needed to really pay attention and watch out the sun was shining the sheep still smelled bad you know he was still out in the desert it was just a kind of an ordinary normal day and often the times when God speaks to us it, it kind of comes a bit out of the blue sometimes doesn't it 
It's kind of in those, those moments where it just seems like normal stuff, ordinary stuff is happening and God just comes and, and meets us and wants to draw us aside from our normal kind of everyday stuff. There's not always, you know, big warnings or declarations or billboards or signs in the sky. Sometimes just, it's just God and that still small voice sometimes, isn't it? It was a very normal-looking thornbush that Moses came across. Well, it probably didn't look particularly normal, but it was a normal bush. When, when in the middle of the desert, you know, God does something extraordinary. And when Moses saw this bush that was on fire but not burning up, it wasn't because the bush was special, was it? It wasn't anything particularly, it wasn't this special kind of, you know, uh, flame bush that's somehow flammable and inflammable at the same time. You know, it was just an ordinary thornbush. There was probably thousands or tens of thousands of them in the region. It was a normal kind of uh, bush. But Moses' attention was drawn by what was happening to it. Sometimes in the middle of, like, ordinary stuff, God does extraordinary things. And sometimes in that moment, it's God's kind of attempt to get our attention, to draw us to say, hey, come and and turn aside and and look and see what I'm doing here, what I want to speak to you. Now Moses sees this sight and he says to himself, as we read before, he says, this is amazing, I've got to go and, and check this out. And at this point, he really has no idea what's going on, does he? All he sees is, is something weird. He's like, this is weird. Now, personally, uh, as I was reading this again, uh, it occurred to me that it, I, I like to think that Moses was talking to the sheep. All right, It says that he was talking to himself. Personally, I kind of have this view that when you spend a lot of time, and it was probably days or even weeks at a time without human contact... You, you start talking to whatever's around you, really, don't you? I don't know, you, you, who, who talks to their dog or their cat? Yeah, so it's not really outside the realms of possibility. If you spend all day with a bunch of sheep, that you're probably going to start talking to them. <laughs> and so he turns to, to, to Sean the sheep next to him and he says, hey, check that out. That's weird. No, there's a little, I, I kind of think that, you know, this is probably what was going on, but when he sort of wrote the story later on, he was probably just a little bit embarrassed by that maybe and just thought, I can't tell people I was talking to sheep, I'll just say I said it to myself and <laughs> or maybe something like that. But at this point, like he doesn't really understand what's going on. But it's as he turns aside, do you remember when, when we read it was as he turned aside that God spoke out of the bush God didn't speak God didn't call his name until it says God saw that Moses had gone a little closer and and come in to investigate that Moses had turned aside Moses could have ignored that bush he could have seen it and gone well that's interesting but I've got important stuff to do today got to find water still i don't know where you know the next lot of grass is we've got to still got to find some shelter and it's going to be getting dark soon i really got to kind of keep moving sometimes i think we're, we're a little bit like that today aren't we in the rush in the busy there's this little sometimes this little thing and god's god does something 
different in the middle of an ordinary day and it's like he's trying to get our attention and say hey turn aside and come and listen to me and we're like oh that's weird oh no but I've got I'm busy today I've got things to do I've got to pick up the kids I've got to cook dinner I've got to you know think about this project that I'm working on and I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to fix that leaky tap and you know whatever the things that we've got to do we don't stop and pay attention sometimes to the things that God is trying to use to get our attention but he didn't he didn't I wonder what would have happened if he'd gone to to move on whether God would have done something more dramatic or blown up the mountain or something I don't know sometimes God does shout at us doesn't he sometimes God shouts at us and sometimes God just lets us go about our busyness and until we fall apart and we're drawn back into proximity of with him again out of desperation but there's this thing that that happens and Moses draws aside and he he stops and he 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 forgets about all the duties and all the things that he's got to tend to and all the things that he's all the expectations and all the responsibilities just for a short time and he comes and he draws near to God and God begins to speak and call his name out of that bush. I don't know at this point whether Moses really recognises that it's the voice of God or if he, if he, whether he's worked that out yet or not. It doesn't really tell us what Moses was thinking. But we see an interesting way that Moses responds, don't we? Now, 40-year-old Moses... Prince of Egypt Moses, royalty Moses, might have responded differently, don't you think? Royalty Moses might have responded to a voice, a mysterious supernatural voice out of the bush calling him, he might have responded with, yes, it is I, Moses, Prince of Egypt, first in line to the throne of Pharaoh, battle commander of the greatest army in the world and chosen by God to deliver his people, I stand before you. But now, 80-year-old Desert Moses doesn't respond with any of that, doesn't haul out his list of credentials. 40-year-old Moses probably would have expected uh, this kind of divine appointment and call. But 80-year-old Moses, how did, what does he say? Moses, uh, here, it's me, I'm here. There's almost this... It, in, in Hebrew, it's, it's a one-word response. It's this, this quiet, humbled, subdued sort of response. Often I think that that's the kind of response that God is looking for from us today too. When He calls, He doesn't need a list of our accomplishments. He doesn't need a list of reasons or things that we've done fabulously well that qualify us to be called or appointed to this next task all God is looking for from us is that response that says yep here I am God I'm here I'm listening just like Isaiah he has this amazing kind of vision of of heaven and all the angels and it's, it's, it's that same response, isn't it? It's, here I am. 
Do we turn aside? Do we slow down enough to hear God calling? Last week, Kerry was talking about some of the things that God had been speaking to her through her COVID isolation and that sometimes we, we kind of are, are forced to slow down sometimes, aren't we? Or in a way, we're given op- God gives us opportunities to slow down and, and listen. <laughs> and it's into this space as Moses has turned aside, as he's come to investigate, as he's, as he's responded and he's answered that God speaks and God says, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. It says, when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, if you have read much of the Bible, you will have heard those names before. Most of us have probably heard Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the the founding fathers, if you like, of the nation of Israel. Abraham, that God called, um, was childless and God brought about, gave him an heir and made him a promise to him that he would be a father of a, a great nation. But if you do a study on the lives of these guys, you'll discover that none of them were really very ideal kind of leaders or, or heroes or, you know, per- they were not perfect men. They were guys who made mistakes and messed up. I mean, for goodness sake, Abraham that is, gave his, basically gave his wife to a, uh, a guy to be taken into his harem so that he would be, you know, kind of treated with favour twice that's right yeah you'd think he would have learned the first time wouldn't you I think his wife might have had a talk to him after the first time <laughs> I know mine would <laughs> but even you know you, know, you look at their lives and, and again after again um, Jacob sort of deceived his brother out of his inheritance and his birthright and uh, you know that these guys were not perfect guys but they were the people that God had chosen God had worked some stuff in his life but if it was not for the grace of God these guys would have done nothing worth remembering if it wasn't for God working in their life and doing things nobody would have known who they were and in effect it's when God declares that he's the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob maybe there's a a sense at least partly in which God is saying Moses I'm the God of men who failed Moses, I'm the, I'm the God of ordinary guys, ordinary, imperfect, flawed guys, but I, you know, uh, who accomplished some extraordinary things in their lives because of me. Now, I wonder what's, you've you got to think, what is going through Moses' mind at this time as God's, God's kind of speaking to him in this moment and it's this supernatural thing and God's declaring who he is and, and he begins to talk about how, um, you know, he's, he's seen the suffering of his people and Moses must be sitting there and, and thinking, fantastic, God is finally going to do something. <laughs> but I wonder if it brought up some memories for Moses. You know, it's almost... Like God is saying, hey, you know, Moses, do you remember me? I'm the, the one who told you that you deliver my people one day. And I wonder if there was some pain of what Moses had lost that kind of went through his mind and through his heart in that moment. I wonder if there was 
some pain as he remembered his, his failing. Remembered the way that he'd messed everything up, that he'd tried to, you know, tried to take things into his own hands. He'd killed the Egyptian and, you know, the, 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 basically the, the Israelites uh, paid no attention to him. They had no respect for him. I wonder if there were some of those things that kind of went through his mind. I wonder if he was thinking about, you know, if there was feelings and thoughts of, you know, I've, I've been there, I tried that, failed, messed up, you know, he, I mean, you wonder if he was thinking whether God was going to bring up his failure and rub his face in it, I don't know. So all it tells us is that he, he bowed down and he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. I wonder in that moment if he felt particularly ordinary. But he is in, in this story, I'm going to tell you what I think is really the extraordinary part. And it's not the burning bush, it's not the, the, the supernatural voice of God that came out of the flames. It's not that God heard the distress of His people and came down to rescue them. Here's what I think is the most extraordinary part of the whole story. And we read it in verse 10. It's that God says to Moses, Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. This is what I think is the extraordinary part. That God chose this guy to go and be His representative. This guy who had failed, this guy who had messed up, this guy who was broken down, uh, washed up, has been from the middle of nowhere, who's already had a go and, and failed. He's probably not the first people that most of us would put on our list, is he? I think that a little bit of what God maybe was speaking into Moses' heart that day went something along the lines of this. Moses, 40 years ago, you were impressive and you had it all together. You were rich, you were connected, you had power, you had influence, you had the respect of everybody, including yourself. But when the fire started to burn and when it really came to the crunch, everything that you had disappeared. It didn't even last 48 hours. It all fell apart. Now you think you're a nobody, but the thing is that any nobody will do as long as I, the, the, the great God of all grace, am in you. And what Moses began to discover from this point on is what God can do with a nobody. It's not about our gifts, it's not about our talents, it's not about our skills or our abilities, it's about whether we have God working in and through us. Because God works in ordinary people. It says, when you saw that thorn bush on fire and it was burning but not burning up, it wasn't because the bush was special, it's because I was in it. He is the God who delights in doing extraordinary things in ordinary people. It's His specialty. 
He loves it. He does it again and again and again and again. Look at this verse in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26 to 29. And it says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. Now, it might sound a little bit harsh that he's calling them foolish, but what he's really, it's kind of really a compliment in a way, isn't it? At least in the way that he's sort of explaining it. I, I probably won't take that tactic too many times, but, you know, it's, uh, it's all right. Let's not be too serious. But he goes on, he says, He chose things that are powerless to shame those that are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. It doesn't matter how wise you are in other people's eyes, it doesn't matter if you're poor or rich, it doesn't matter if you're powerful and whether you've got influence or whether nobody knows your name. What matters is whether you are available for God to work in and through your life. Do you ever feel like you're nobody special? Maybe you don't, but that's another sermon. (laughs) I think probably most of us, at least at times, and probably for some of us a lot of the time, we kind of have these, these ideas or these dreams or these things that we'd, we'd love to do to, to serve God and to, to build God's kingdom and to give back. But there, there's this voice inside us that tells us, no, 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 you, you can't do that. Who, you know, who do you think you are? You're nobody special. You don't, you don't have what it takes. You'll fail. You can't do it. You'll mess it up. You'll make it worse. You'll make a big mess and everything will fall apart and you'll whatever but God wants you to know that your ordinariness your weaknesses your flaws your shortcomings all of those things that make you human don't disqualify you from serving and being fruitful in the kingdom of God don't listen to that voice The Apostle Paul wrote about his thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. We don't know exactly what that was. But he talks about how he asked God to take it away and God's response was, my grace is enough for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness, it says. It's when you're weak. And so Paul says, so I'll boast all the more about my weaknesses and my shortcomings because then everybody will know that if anything uh, amazing, if anything uh, worthwhile, if anything extraordinary, if anything significant comes as a result of my life, that it had to be God because it couldn't be me. And for you this morning, I want you to know that There is a God who can do amazing things in and through your life because of your ordinariness, because the glory then goes to God and not to you. 
It's not because of your strength. It's not because of your intelligence. It's not because of your abilities, because if it was, then you would get the glory. But God loves to work in people and do the impossible and the things that you can't do, because then everybody looks at what's happened in your life and goes, that must be God. There must be a God who is working in that person's life, in Jules's life and in Chris's life and in uh, Elizabeth's life and in Lynn's life because they just, I didn't ever think that they could do something like that. And so many times God says, I want you to step out. I want you to, by, by faith, step out and pray for that person to be healed. I want you to pray for that person's kind of situation. And when God does things in and through us that we aren't capable of doing by ourselves, then God gets the glory and people see and are drawn to the one who works in the ordinary. Our job... Our responsibility is to listen to that voice. To take time, to slow down, to turn aside, to hear the voice of the one calling us in the wilderness. That quiet voice that calls your name and says, I want to work in you. Can we pray? Father, we thank you that you are an amazing, miraculous, supernatural, miracle-working God. And Lord, so often we feel unqualified and unworthy to be part of what you're doing in our world. And so we hang back. But God, we thank you that you again and again remind us and encourage us that it is not our abilities that matter, but our willingness to be obedient, our willingness to listen and to follow the voice of your Spirit. And so, Lord, I pray that each one of us would take that time, would listen, would would turn our ear towards you, would listen for the things that you're wanting to do in us that we would be obedient, that we would follow your leading, we would trust you to do amazing things in and through us, that you would get the glory because of who you are. Father, we thank you that you want to work in ordinary people. Lord, would you do that in us? We make ourselves available to you to do what you want in us and through us for the glory of your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.